welcome to the Dorky Diva Show. I'm your host, Savannah. And I am Brian. And we're back. We're back then. Don't don't call it a comeback. Because we never left, except we kind of did. We never left. We never podcast. We've been busy. We've just been doing some things. Yeah, we've been doing some things. Maybe you've heard these things. Maybe you haven't, mm-hmm. and you're really confused right now. I don't know That's your okay. life. okay. Just, just pause this and scroll down to one previous show on this podcast feed, and then you will understand everything. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, some things. Some things will make sense. Some some things that Brian will say will never make sense. To me, either. We're all on the same page here. I don't know what's <laughs> going on, guys. I've been awake for 20 minutes, and now we're here. We're here. Talking. Um, so in case you guys missed the memo, we came out with a feature length audio drama called The Adventures of the Zolan Dart. We did. And it's been out for almost a month now. And we are just excited to talk about it because Brian and myself and many of our friends have been working in secrecy on this project for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And today we are joined by two lovely people that helped put this audio drama together and I'm very excited to introduce them to you and to talk with all of you about the audio drama. So first up, we have Victor Espinoza. He is the co-writer of uh, The Adventures of the Zolandar and he is the voice of Melio. So welcome, Victor. Thank you for having me. We are (laughs) so happy that you're here and Next up, we have Christina Moores, who is the amazing sound designer on The Adventures of the Zolandar. Welcome, Christina. Thanks for having me. This is a clap. This is a clap. Yay! Right Clapping <laughs> for everybody. And obviously, we have Brian, who is the writer, director, and the voice of Reldar Sias. Yeah. It sounds like a lot when you say it like that. Yeah, th- <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm real excited to be here and talk about it. I'm glad you could be here on your own show. <laughs> on my own show, yeah. I'm legally obligated to be here. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't change my excitement level because we have guests, brave souls, who decided to talk with us. Um, They're already contemplating leaving. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But luckily, <laughs> I threw away the key to their chains, you boobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is why no one listens to the show. This is why. No. <laughs> Two minutes in. Anyways. Did he say they're chained up? No, 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 no. Go back. I didn't mean it. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, stop talking. (laughs) Are we free yet? We're here to. You're free. You can go now. (laughs) No, 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 no. Sit back down. We're we're talking. Oh, man. Anyways, today, um, this is going to be sort of a roundtable experience. So I'm going to be hosting. Brian, Victor, and Christina are going to be answering all of my burning questions about the audio drama. And we're going to get to hear a lot about um, the behind the scenes of putting this together. And hopefully at this point, you've already heard the audio drama. I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you've already listened to it because nobody else would put up with us (laughs) and not listen (laughs) to the audio drama. So anyways, I'm just going to get right into it. Um, You know, I have my show notes, guys. I always do. So many. So many show notes. But I I felt like we needed to start with the mastermind of this project, the Savannah fool who decided to do this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, Brian, you yeah. 
wrote this story with Victor, but you um, mm-hmm. this came out of your brain. So right. tell us how you created the bones of the story. What influenced you to choose this crew of the Zolan Dart, and what inspired the main characters? Um, huh. A lot, I guess, is the short answer. Um, the longer answer, so we originally... Uh, I love audio dramas as a medium. I just think it's really cool. I love the Star Wars audiobooks, which are essentially Star Wars audio dramas with narration. Um, so I've wanted to make one for a long time. And, uh, you know, around June of 2019, I came to you and I was like, hey, listen, I, th- I think I want to make an audio drama. And Jedi, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost had just come out. So it was like the big thing. And uh, you were very excited about it. And I was like, all right. Cool. Let's, uh, wow, you're more excited than I am. Uh, let's do this, I guess. Um, then I just, I kind of just made it up on the fly at first because I was like, I want to, I want to do an audio drama. I'm just going to throw this script up and see what happens. And I wrote like 35 pages or something like that. Um, and then over the course of what? So July to October, however many months that is, that's like three months of 2019. Of 2019. Just so people know. Yeah. Uh, Victor and I worked the script back and forth uh, until we came up with uh, the ninth draft, and that's what we ended up recording. Um, but more specifically with the characters, um, even more more specifically the crew, um, I wanted to tell a Star Wars story that was different, um, that we haven't really seen before. And like you, everybody knows, you know, with Han Solo and you know smugglers, and you got your ship, and you do whatever you need to to survive because. It's a lawless galaxy out there, and you don't have a lot of options. I wanted to tell a story about a character that refused to go the illegal route. Just because, like their own personal code of honor and what that conflict would be like in a galaxy where you kind of have to bend the rules a little bit. Um, I just thought that was a really compelling thing to have a character that sees things in black and white in a galaxy of gray. Um, so that's that was kind of the impetus. Um and then also another big inspiration was that piece that the Star Wars artists did a few years ago in, um, I don't remember if it was an anniversary or something like that, but it was something to do with Rebels. And they had a bunch of different artists in the Star Wars fandom. They all came together and each did like a part of the poster. And then it came together and made this beautiful piece. Um, and I just thought that was so cool. Uh, so I wanted to do something like that audio wise and kind of bring the star wars podcasting community together and this seemed like a good vehicle to do that as well um so we did that um i'm trying to think because you know how bad my memory is um nevsana pretty much right away we're like we're gonna have uh this is the ship that i like i want to do this the character the captain i want her to be female i want her to be an alien let's do this i want her co-pilot to be a human i want it to be male i want them to have a droid and it was just like, we kind of spitfired, I remember. You know, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they're like, boom, 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 boom. And then once I had the characters, then I threw up the story. Because it was like, okay, so now that I know who these characters are, how would they react in this situation? And then we just sort of went from there. You just threw it up. Just threw it up. Yeah. And like, it was like, what, three days or something? I wrote the 35-page first draft. And yeah, then, it was very quick. Yeah. And then I sent it to Victor. Uh, who's uh, you know an author buddy of mine I've known forever and I was like hey so here's the draft for a thing I'm doing what do you think and Victor would just send me questions which is the greatest tool ever and so what he would do is he'd be like well 
What does this mean? Why is she saying that? Where are they? What's going on here? So I take those questions. I would go back. I would rewrite it, having answered those questions in the story, you know, and uh, every draft just got better and better and better. He just kept asking questions. And it was like filling in holes in the story that eventually became what everybody heard. It was cool. Good, good team effort. Great team effort. So, Victor, can you tell us more about these questions that you were asking about the story and what sort of um, contribution you made to developing this story further? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the way I look at it is I kind of acted as a as an editor for Brian. Um, yeah, he came to me with a story that had a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and uh, together we sort of fleshed it out by... Um, like maybe he started a plot point in the beginning of the story, but then didn't conclude it. Um, and so just by asking a couple of questions, he would either figure out a way to conclude it or remove it and focus on a different plot point. Um, so, uh, yeah, in, in, in time, I like to use, uh, something called the Socratic method, which is just asking someone questions until they come to their own answer. Uh, and, I didn't want to put my hands all over Brian's story. He wrote it. It was his creation and his characters and what he wanted to do. And so I didn't want to tell him, oh, that doesn't make any sense or that what's going on there. Um, so I would just ask him questions. To, so that way it was his story and his fixes and his ideas. Gotcha. Brian, do you remember how long you and Victor took to work on the script together i know you mentioned from july to like maybe october i think you said but yep. were you talking about the script every single day during that time were you having like a weekly meeting together how much were you working on this uh correct me if i'm wrong victor but it was like a few times a week we would just text back and forth like oh i sent you these scenes oh i sent you this what do you think of that and we just ping ponged like that i don't remember any lulls in those times it was at mm -hmm. least once a week, if yeah. not uh, yeah, a couple of times a week. Yeah. So it was consistent. You never really took a break from this. You were constantly no. working what, on it. What is, yeah. what, is, what is break? What is that? Oh, I know that doesn't exist. <laughs> I just want people to know. <laughs> like, what, what does that mean? This slep? Slep? Yeah. Sleep? Sleep. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, yeah. pretty early on, you and I decided that we wanted to reach out to Christina to see if she would be willing to help us with the sound because yeah, right away. you and I had a lot of conversations early on about how we did not want to use any official Star Wars sound effects um, mm -hmm. for both like copyright reasons, but also because we wanted this to really be original and yep. just custom made just for us. And mm -hmm. Christina had been a really great friend of ours and we knew that she was involved in sound design. We didn't know to what extent. So we one day called Christina over Skype and we talked about her interest and Christina, we probably overwhelmed you and we probably <laughs> scared you, but somehow you said yes. Yeah. Um, can you recall that first time we talked to you about the audio drama and do you remember um, how you felt when we approached you with this idea? Uh, I wouldn't say I was overwhelmed. I, <laughs> that's Scared. not the word I would say. Uh, no, I, I was excited. Um, it was, 
because I, I grew up with audio dramas, so this was like a perfect thing to do. I had never really done one for other people to hear outside of maybe just like my friends. So it was very exciting. Plus in the Star Wars universe, how could I say no? And plus working with all of all of you guys, which I was fans of already. So why would, why would I turn it down? I have a list. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Besides that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when we reached out to you, Christina? Mm-hmm. When was it? How early on was it? Uh, was it like August or something? <laughs> it was pretty soon. It was early. Yeah. So I guess it was a couple months after the script was being written. We We reached out to you very early on and... I mean, you guys got right to work. We, uh, <laughs> you know, we had a very large cast of characters. Brian, you learned your lesson from that. Uh, yeah. But you did have um, friends and fellow actors in mind to play mm -hmm. a lot of our main characters, which really helped speed the casting process along. And then yep. for some of our more difficult characters to cast, like Caprin, the Trandoshan, and Paisho, Mm -hmm. um, we had to kind of reach outside of your circles yep. and find voice actors and actresses that we weren't already aware of. But mm -hmm. the casting process as a whole, um, from my perspective, was really fun because I got to listen to every single audition yep. and I ultimately got to decide who uh, was, you know, being cast in the story. Yep. And immediately I knew that this was going to be good when I heard you and Kayla and Logan together and you had sent me I think it was the very first scene you had yeah. sent me and thankfully this was before COVID started yep and you had the chance to record in person with Kayla and Logan who play Navsana and Murphy mm -hmm. and the chemistry was just so great. And I was like, this is going to be so fun because these characters are so fun. Um, so I'm I'm glad it, it felt good from the very beginning. And we very quickly realized that Christina was more capable than we were to yeah, put everything together. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just from my perspective as the producer, I never felt nervous about whether or not this was going to turn out to be something good. It, it always felt good from the beginning, which is really cool mm -hmm. uh, because it could have gone wrong very easily. Yeah, um, and it kind of did, you know, at certain parts and then we had to learn and then fix and redo and, you know, it's it's a learning. We have no idea what we're doing. I mean, now we kind yeah. of do. But at the time, we're like, oh, I don't know. We'll try it. See, see, oh, well, yeah. that didn't work. That didn't work at all. I remember when I read uh, the very final version of the script, I asked you, how long do you think this story is going to be? And mm -hmm. you said, probably an hour. And you were right on the dot because it's yeah, 59 yeah. minutes. <laughs> um, but I would like to know, what is your favorite scene in the audio drama that you wrote? Mine? Um, mm -hmm. Uh. It's a two-way tie. Um, one of them is uh, Pai Show seeing the dart for the first time. Because I just... I, Pai Show's my favorite character, and I just love her, and she's fantastic. And it was like a cool... It, it's a really sentimental moment that I'm really proud of. And I, I thought it came through cool, and Catherine did an amazing job performing. And I just... I really like someone else appreciating the dart the way that Nevsana does. 
Um, it kind of like harkened back to like when Han first sees the Falcon. You know, like Lando loves his ship, but Han like really loves his ship. And so I, I wanted to have that sort of like the dart is it's it's a big deal because it's still up after, you know, this is a Knights of the Old Republic ship, so we're talking thousands of years old, and it's still running. And to have someone able to fully appreciate it, um, I just really like that. I also I love the opening scene. I really do. I'm so proud of it. Like, just the dialogue, the back and forth, I feel like it establishes the characters really well. Um, I think Christina did an amazing job with all the alarms and the coming out of hyperspace and Murph's wheel rolling up and, like, the door closing. Like, there's so many layers to that scene. Um, And I feel like it pulls people in right away. So I'm I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, I agree. That one's one of my favorites, too. It was one of the first ones that I heard with uh, all of the sound design that Christina did. And it felt like, whoa, this is real. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Um, I want to ask the same question to both Victor and Christina, too. We'll start with you, Victor. Um, do you have a favorite scene in the story? Uh, I would say I really enjoy um, Reldar in the cantina when he meets Capra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels like a very immersive Star Wars experience. Yeah, I agree. I love the sound of the coins on the table and like the people in the background. It feels yeah, like an actual cantina that you'd walk into. Yeah. What about you, Christina? Uh would for to listen to or to work <laughs> on? Because there's a both. difference. It can be both. Let's hear both of them because you have a completely different perspective than we do. Totally. Oh, I uh I do like the beginning and I also I yeah, I like the cantina scenes probably the best, but yeah. also uh for funsies, I really love the Melio scene cuz yeah. it's <laughs> yes. completely different from everything else and it's very fun and I like anytime I had to cuz I have to listen to it over and over and over and it still makes me laugh every time I listen to it. Right? Same. And, and that I'll I'll go on record. Victor wrote that entirely. So the script, with the exception of that scene, the entire script, I wrote it. Victor asked me questions. I would read rewrite it, rewrite it, rewrite it, and then that's what you got. That specific scene, Victor had this idea, and we're like, what if we did like a Kawaki and monkey lizard kind of thing and he'd be fun? Victor voices him. So Victor was like, I'm thinking something like this. He wrote the scene out. I literally copied and pasted it. So that that entire sequence all Victor. He's Melio. He wrote it. It's so good. It's so good. Well, I'm glad it. everybody likes it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. It's so good. Oh, pack two. It's, I love it. <laughs> 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 Cracks me up every single time. It's so good. Yeah. Same. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, Christina, because that was one of my favorite scenes too. And I, Victor, I have to ask you because Melio has turned out to be a fan favorite and I'm not surprised by that because I think he's hilarious. Were you surprised by that? And I really want to hear more about your performance as Melio and just, just the energy that you brought to him. (laughs) What inspired this character? Um, uh, well, I guess, uh, a, yeah, it is a surprise that he's, that so many people have, uh, pointed him out that so many people remember his name. Uh, Isn't that weird? That people aren't just like, yeah, that crazy guy in the scene where she's walking. No, that people actually remember his name. Um, 
yeah, that's surprising. Uh, I guess the the inspiration was just, uh, I'm a, I'm a goofy person and I felt like this story could maybe use just a very small sliver of goofiness. Um, and I felt bad because one of the things that I had been talking to Brian about was when writing a story, every scene either needs to further the plot or add characterization. Um, and so we would go through and remove a couple of scenes that didn't do that, or we would add things to scenes so that way they were characterization or they were furthering the plot. Uh, and then I wrote a scene that did neither of those things. <laughs> yeah. And I tried to but like argue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy it turned out. I'm happy everybody likes it. Uh, I guess uh, I proved myself wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all of the monkey lizards in that scene are me. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> can, can you do your monkey lizard impression, Brian? I don't remember what I did. It was it was something <laughs> weird. Like, and that, well, hold on. Put a pin on this. Christina had to listen to all of this. Bless <laughs> so, her heart. So we just send her files of like us making animal noises and weird chirpings and like I, yeah. I think I think the monkey lizards were something about like and this weird stuff like that. And Christina's like, that'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> I just love that he's been so popular because Same. I, I can't remember at one po- at what point you sent me that scene, Brian, but you sent mm-hmm. it to me and I was like hysterically laughing. Um I thought it was so funny. And <laughs> I was hoping people would love it as much as I did. And it's it's clearly one of the things that a lot of people enjoy talking about. So I'm glad that people loved it so much. Um, and it, it's nice to bring in that like comedic relief halfway yeah. through the story. Yes. Um, I love the humor that's in the audio drama. There's a lot of humor, but it's not overdone. It feels very natural. And the cool. bickering between Reldar and Murphy works very well. And that scene with Melio is just like a nice happy little break from some of the tension that's going on as we lead up to what's about to happen um exactly but yeah i just love him and now people are asking for amelia spinoff so i'm like yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out sky's the <laughs> limit that's it's right so fun it's so fun um christina one of my favorite things to tell people about the audio drama is that all of the sound effects were created by you and that jumping to hyperspace, I believe, is you whacking your washing machine. <laughs> and people are always so surprised by that. Um, I would love for you to talk about some of the sound design that you did for the audio drama, specifically like Murphy's wheel, um, jumping to hyperspace and the blaster fire that you created, because I think those sounds are very specific to our story and um, they sound very original. So can you tell us about how you created those um, sound effects? Uh, I mean, not everything is super I guess I, I tweak things. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of sound designers have a library of sound because um, they can't record every single thing. And mm-hmm. um, so it could be like somebody else recorded it, but I just tweak it to sound different. But uh, for, I think the bang was hitting the, my metal tray, my like a baking tray. <laughs> Makes a <laughs> makes a lot of cameos in this. Um, 
Sweet. So hitting that, because I have a bunch of them, um, tweaking that to sound deeper and um, also adding like an actual explosion of mm. something. I can't remember what it was, but it's a, uh, like a cannon explosion or something um, to give it that weight. And oh, Murph's wheel <laughs> took us a while to figure out. Yeah, we went through so many different versions. Um, I I ended up um, I did try like a little BB-8 robot that I have, so that didn't work. Um, but it's actually a uh, an old dumbbell with the weights that you could put on so it's got that kind of tinkle mm. sound so Whoa. i just taped down a part of it so it didn't jingle jangle too much mm -hmm. um and the other one i think was just a mixture of like because i live by an airport like a little mini airport so like different planes because we have a lot of old planes around here and putting that through a bunch of filters <laughs> to, because <laughs> you need it to like rev up. Um, yeah, it's it's like a mixture of things, but mostly just taking a couple sounds and putting filters on it, but not like too much. I It seems like the sweet spot is to either uh, slow it down by like 50%. Or speed it up, or pitch shift. Those are those are the three things often used, I guess. And it all turned out beautifully. I think because so. Because I don't think anybody can tell that you were whacking a baking sheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's also what the doors are. The, every door that slides open is a baking tray on a wood floor. Wow. Is it really? Mm-hmm. That's so That's awesome. So cool. So when you are working on these different sound effects, are you doing whatever you can to use household items and objects you already own? Or were there any instances where you were like, I probably need to buy something for this? Uh, they were all things that I sort of already had um, in the sense of like sound libraries. Mm. But if I couldn't figure out something that was, I could use around my house then yeah I would try to resort to the library because like maybe I just try a bunch of things and I'm like this this isn't doesn't sound right there's something off so I would try a bunch of other things I think Brian has witnessed yeah. <laughs> a little bit of that for like the trailer of just for like a minute long trailer it's oh, a yeah. lot of just which, which one sounds better yep yeah, a lot of that. Like maybe this one, ah, this one's too high. This one's too low. I don't can we get more like dirt? Like, does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of that. Yeah. Um, it's also so cool, like though. a bunch of recordings from like long ago of different films I worked on. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes oh yeah, so the bartender type of sounds in the cantina. Um I worked on a film that never got finished and it was set in a bar in a, like one scene and I had free reign with a bartender and just had her 
go about her day without talking. Um, so there's that. But and that was five years ago. <laughs> or like weird stuff from like a Western I worked on. Just like, oh yeah, I remember I have uh like war dirt sounds because I rigged a fake explosion on set, so why not put it in? That's right. That's right. Reusing all those old assets probably comes in handy, and that's why we were so excited to work with you, Christina, because we were like, she's worked on other things. She yeah, knows yeah. what she's doing. How do, do we I? trick her to work with us? <laughs> yeah. We tricked yeah. her. We did. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, let's Savannah. talk about Raldar. Let's talk about Raldar. Yeah, boy. My boy. My boy. So, Raldar's name is actually a little mix-up of our friend Daryl. Daryl, yes, uh, who is an amazing supporter of the Dorky Diva show. We decided that we wanted to honor him in some way, and we did that with a lot of our character names. We were able to take uh, existing names from our friends and podcast listeners and scramble them up and mm-hmm. make Star Wars names. And I don't yep. know why, but I I just like love how Raldar rolls off the tongue. It it's pretty it's just cool. A cool name. I yeah. agree. It it came out way better than you'd expect someone's scrambled name to be. And yeah. it's, it just sounds spacey. You know what I mean? Like Reldar, the hero from beyond. You're like, oh right, it is spacey. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is spacey. <laughs> Captain Reldar is here. You're like, oh, all right, cool. But then you meet him, and you're like, oh, this guy's Reldar. <laughs> Double shot of moof milk, please. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I think Reldar has also been a fan favorite because of that reason. Like he's goofy, relatable. Brian, you know he is. I block those things out. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm saying it. He's been a fan favorite and people really enjoy his personality. And I know that you love his personality too. And I I want to know, um, were, were there any challenges that you had when you were trying to figure out who he was and when you were working on, um, all of the, voiceover for Reldar. I know you re-recorded some of your lines, if not uh-huh. all of them, from all your very them. first take. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us more about that and why you enjoy playing Reldar so much. Whew, that's a lot. Okay. Big question. Big question. Um, I like Reldar. He's he's great. Uh, one of my... Well, when we came up with him... Uh, so I kind of made these characters. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with D&D. And so I sort of made these characters as like different archetypes and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, so if Navsana is going to be the captain and she's in charge and she's this like badass pilot that's doing this whole thing, I she needs some levity to her. And so I like that her co-pilot was this like sort of like a goofy sort of person because Reldar's capable. He's very good with technology and stuff like that. But he also is like the person who will be walking really cool and then he'll just like stub his foot on something. And then you're like, oh, right, that's Reldar. You know, he's like all all charisma, but not really a whole lot physically to back him up. Um, I love playing him just because that's a fun that's a fun character to play. Somebody who will go into a super shady cantina that he has no business being in, but he walks in like he owns the place and everyone's kind of looking at him and he sits down with the Trandoshan Sabak dealer and the Trandoshan's just fully taking advantage of him, but he thinks he's taking advantage of the guy. Oh, yeah. This seat taken? Cool. I'm like super cool. I'm going to sit down. I'm drinking milk, in case you're wondering. You're like, Reldar, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, so he's got that kind of like obliviousness, 
but he's dual sided because he has that like thing where he thinks he's so much cooler than he is and he is really good with technology but like the social cues he doesn't super get um like when they first meet sarah and he's like oh you know we'll be in your tent and he's like yeah we love piles of money uh, oh all right cool I'll, I'll i'll be at the ship um so that's just fun um i'm glad people like him he's 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 a good time uh when it comes to i'm trying to remember all the parts of this uh we did have to re-record all of it uh specifically kayla and myself because a, a big technical issue that we ran into was you know there's 30 cast members and everyone has a different mic everyone has a different setup everyone has different everything and that became a huge hurdle to put onto christina because <laughs> we're like hey here's they sound totally different make them sound like they're in the same room and uh well i didn't think about that and being that nevsana and reldar are in every scene we had to have their quality up to par so essentially the mic that kayla was using and the mic that i was using and the rooms that we were in were so different that it was hard to make them believable in the same environment um so we we literally had to start over so the we it would have been out way sooner <laughs> if we didn't have to do that but yeah we kayla and i had to re-record everything and it was like 66 pages i think is the final draft um so that was its own sort of thing as far as if it was difficult not really like i it helps that these characters came out of my head so like i know exactly what they sound like i know exactly how they would react in any situation and reldar is kind of in my wheelhouse like I, i've played these kind of characters before that's just you know they think they're way cooler than they are and they they're all heart but they don't have you know a whole lot to back it up when it comes to like physical intimidation and stature um but he's just i don't know reldar's cool i like him he is I cool i, I like him a lot <laughs> yeah you did cool hey i like that he's kind of a goofy not your typical hero kind of yeah, character i agree I agree. He thinks he's Han Solo, but he's definitely not the Han Solo. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I like I like that idea. It just makes me laugh. Like when you go mm-hmm. cuz Han Solo is cool. Reldar thinks he's really cool, but he's totally not. But he is capable. And I like the fact that his goofiness would make you underestimate him. You know, and it just yeah. it makes it makes for a cool a cool character, I think. And he's just fun and his his bickering with Murphy is <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. I'm like, it's me and you. Yeah, yeah. It's me and Logan are like that. Victor can attest. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. So no, just... no. You guys don't butt heads at all. You team up together and make everyone else frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is perfect. I know exactly how to do this. And that's another thing that Murph did a really good job at. Whenever Reldar would do something cool, Murph would come in and just take his knees out from under him. <laughs> so <laughs> became this whole thing like, hey, it was Murph's idea to do this. Because, well, if you were a better pilot, then it would, it's like Murph is the one that said the rift is the quickest way. It is his fault. Mm-hmm. But Murph comes in and just makes Reldar look so dumb for insinuating that it is Murph's fault. Because he gets angry, it's like, oh, well, I'll be in the cargo hold. <laughs> I came in here to rile his feathers. Mission complete. I will see you when we land. <laughs> I and- love him. He's great. I love him. He is great. Victor, is there a specific scene that you remember going over with Brian and really, really getting into the meat of the story and having to tweak a lot? Is there anything that you recall uh, that maybe you spent more time on than any other part of the story? 
I think the part of the story that was the most fluid uh, until like it was the last part that we locked down was probably the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, the the ending uh, all the way. Uh, I guess I don't know if I should talk about it in detail, uh, but um, do it. I, I, I there there's a, a good chunk of the ending was we I I kept every time another version of the script came back, I would have more questions uh, and then Brian would address those questions, but then there'd be more questions. Uh, and so every time we tried to edit it, there was always something that was left out or we forgot to incorporate something else. Um, that's probably the one that that was the trickiest. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Brian. Do you remember that? Was that was that tough for you? Yeah, I mean, writing's tough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I I don't really consider myself a writer. Um, and you know, the most important part is the ending. Some people say, so it's that whole thing of like, especially the way that I wrote the first draft was I I literally just got in my head and I was like, okay, we're on a ship, alarms are going off, go, and then I just wrote a line and then somebody responding to that line and acting is reacting and just going back and forth. And then, Oh, they made a farmer now. And Oh, well it will introduce my show this way. And it just like, when I say I threw it up, like I did, I just, uh, and then that's how it works. Uh, but the ending is like, Oh, right. We have to like conclude this. Like, you, can't, <laughs> you, you can't just keep going. You gotta put a bow on it. Exactly. So figuring out what that meant and how it worked was, was pretty tough. That's why I was so glad for Victor because like that's why is a writing credit because this would not be this literally would not be half of what it is were it right. not for him to go from 35 to 66 pages. Um I'm glad I'm glad Victor was involved because when you sent me the yeah. script I was like I love it <laughs> and that was Yeah. <laughs> yeah the first draft you're like perfect. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I I'm not a writer. I don't think that way. I consume yeah. things and enjoy them and that's right. Victor, thank God we had you because you really fleshed out a lot of things that I never would have considered. Same. So thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to help. Um, Christina, we, well, this is more me, not a we. <laughs> I heard a lot of things from Brian about how the editing process was very complex And now Brian understands that things should be edited scene by scene rather than all at once. And I would love to hear about this more from your perspective. And where did you start kind of like when you received um, all of the voiceover from Brian? How did you even begin to start tackling this entire story? Oh, boy. Big question. (laughs) With tears, <laughs> right, right in the garbage, Just right yeah. in the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, to to speedline, I guess the word it to get the audio or like the dialogue to sync up better. I had um, Brian edit it because yep. uh, usually I would probably edit how it would be, kind of like a. Like if I were an editor of a short film, edit how the dialogue and the pacing goes. But that would be a lot of back and forth because we've never worked together. So mm-hmm. we don't have that. We're not in each other's heads yet. So it was just quicker right. to have him do that. And then I bring it in and I could put each character on different um, 
on a different track, have them just be there. And that way it was easier because then I can put each person's dialogue into like isotope so I could try to fix it a bit more um, instead of just like tiny little clips each time. It's just one long clip and I can go in there and tweak little by little and go down by that way. It's probably not the best way, but I, I don't know. It's what works for me. <laughs> yeah. But I try to go scene by scene. Um, that way, if we figure out a sound in a previous scene, then we know that, okay, cool, we've got that sound and we know it's going to be used over and over. Then that takes away a lot of the work for later. And plus, trying to tackle more than one scene at a time would be a lot. Um, I guess in this case of an audio drama versus a film because like a film you can see it this you can't see it so um trying to tackle it and make sure it's like okay sometimes it feels more visual but how do we got to figure out a way to make it audio based so that people can visualize it in their head and that was that was very tricky so i know that when when we were going through the whole thing, Brian was keeping me updated on the challenges that you guys were facing and what you were doing to correct them. And I know that, um, as we mentioned earlier, making sure that everybody's audio sounded the same was a very difficult challenge because Brian and Kayla and Logan were all using the same type of equipment in the same space. But then we had people from all over the world sending in their audio that they had recorded either on their phone or whatever microphone they had at the time. Um, they're all in different spaces. And I know you've mentioned this before about how you can tell people are in different environments and in different rooms when they're recording. Um, what sort of things did you have to do to the actor dialogue to make sure that things sounded as similarly as they possibly could? Cheat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Again, throw it right in the garbage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, that is a very difficult thing to do, having everybody have different setups and different quality of microphones. So that that was, I think, probably the most difficult thing. And over time, it's like, well, um, certain people, their dialogue is, I don't know how to fix it fully. And like, I'm not like a master <laughs> of dialogue editing. Um, that's a very specific skill. And, and those people in film definitely do not get enough credit, but they, I... I figured I'm like, hey, Brian, can can we just put like a filter to make them sound more alien without it, you know, legally sounding like an alien from Star Wars mm -hmm. um, to make it to kind of incorporate the bad sound into their dialogue. But you, you've got people who have never voice act, acted before. So you've got people who probably don't have... Um, uh, like shields in front of their microphones for plosives so you get the puh really hard p's or the a very common problem in it was s's the very harsh s's or sibilants um not everyone hears it and i've learned that over the years i thought i was like going crazy when i was younger when i would hear it <laughs> um but definitely like pie show had it so having mm. to 
cut those frequencies out so people who can hear it don't go, oh my gosh, I need to turn this off because that's how I am. That's why I don't <laughs> use the Calm app. Everybody has terrible sibilance and I can't stand it. Or audiobooks, especially. Oh my goodness. Lately, nobody's there's a filter for it in Isotope that kind of gets most of it if you know how to tweak it a bit. And it's like called DSer. So super easy. But yeah. it, uh, yeah, it's, there's, you could try EQ matches and there's only so much you can do. And there's only so much that I know that I can do. So it was just a lot of compromising <laughs> with Brian and going, I'm going to put another filter on. They're now an alien. <laughs> yep. Yep. But also Christina well. has super ears. Everyone needs yeah. to know this because there were there were takes when Christina would be like, listen to this, listen to this. I'm like, okay, all right. It sounds good. She's like, no, no, listen again. I was like, all right. Yeah, no, it sounds good. And she goes, you can hear them move in their chair as they're talking. And I was like, what? <laughs> and we went back and you hear a tiny little, and I was like, oh. And she's like, it's the loudest thing in the clip. I'm like, how? How are you doing this? <laughs> Super ears. Christina picks up everything. Or like zooming in on like an audio clip and I'm like, see that little blip? That's the problem. And you're like, I what? I don't hear. It. Yeah, can't even hear it. And she's like, and watch, you can tell they're like sitting up and then they adjust and then they move. And I'm like, how what? She's crazy. Mouth right? clicks. Mouth clicks. We we oh did we we had to get really creative with like stuff like that. And like if there was echo, you can't get rid of echo in a clip. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay. How do we do this then? If one person has echo, one person doesn't. If you can't take away an echo, but you can add it. So we had scenes where people who had echo in their version, in their voices, we would add echo to the person who didn't and put them in an environment where everyone echoes just a little bit. Mm. And we would do that. We do all the pirates are different. So we're like, just stick everybody over the comms. With that filter, it equalizes everything out. It's like we had to, we had to do some figuring, Christina. How did you and Christina like communicate on the, the timeline together did she did you skype and then she screen screamed. shared we just went outside just screamed. and screamed yeah from yeah, it takes, florida uh, to california yeah you must uh, have it, some powerful lungs listen it wasn't easy it wasn't powerful easy. ears yeah she has super <laughs> ears <laughs> and i had a megaphone you could whisper and she would hear you she would she would that's why i'm very careful what i say right now um we we would have like four hour long Skype sessions <laughs> or more or more or more and be like, here's what I'm thinking for this scene. This is where I'm kind of going. Like when it came down to the wire, we literally, she would screen share and we would go through the scene. I'm like, all right, move that back a little bit here. We need this different move that sound from there to here. And it was like, I was directing over like zoom and stuff, seeing her screen and she would fix it real time. And she'd show me like, see, this is a problem. I'm like, oh, okay. So how do we fix it? I don't know. Well, we'll get to that later. It was a lot of that. Mm, I see. Well, yeah. you made it work, and and now you know how to use Dropbox. I did learn Dropbox. Yeah, <laughs> the last week of production, I was like, if we had been using this now, this would have been done a year ago. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, I'm it's sorry. all a learning process. It is, and Christina has an unlimited amount of patience with me, which is very nice. <laughs> And there'd be so much like, like, I don't know how Christina's still around uh, because there was a lot of times when I'm like, I don't 
know the words to communicate what I'm trying to tell you. And she's like, well, yeah. I can't do what you're trying to tell me unless you tell me. And I was like, uh, can you make them more in uh, outside? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, There are times when I would confuse myself trying to explain to her what I meant. Oh my God, that's so funny. But it's true. Like when we first talked to Christina about the project, you and I didn't even know what to ask her because Christina, nope. we, were, we were basically trying to figure out what you were capable of and what was in your skill set. And we didn't even know how to ask you that because we were just like, we don't even know what this stuff is called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, I do things. Like, oh, cool, um, cool, 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 cool. All good things. It all worked out. It did. Um, Brian, one of the things that you and I talked about a lot in the beginning was um, the word integrity. And yes. I think that's both, that's something you you and I both bring to our like personal lives. And we really wanted to make it apparent in the story that these characters had integrity, specifically Navsana. And that's why she she lives by her own code and she has a reason for all of the choices that she makes. Um, was this something that you communicated with Victor about why these characters are making these types of choices? How did you talk to Victor about why these characters are who they are? Did you give him the whole backstory? What did, how much information did you share with him? All of it. And we butted heads on this a few times. (laughs) Tell me more. Correct me if I'm wrong, Victor, but there were a few times when we're like, well, what if she just did this? And I was like, no, she can't. <laughs> yeah. <And> like, <laughs> we just, Victor's like, we could just have it do this and it'd be easier. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. She's difficult. Let's do this. <laughs> With, I mean, in the very beginning, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess because they were, I guess I really embodied Reldar uh, because there's, there's times that Reldar's like, why don't we just like use our blasters? Uh, why don't we just. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just go get that job? What's wrong with that's that's a that's a lot of money on that job. Why don't we just and I was asking Brian that, like, why don't they just go and do that? That seems to follow their moral code. And Brian would go, no, she said not to do this. So she's not doing that. Go, OK, all right. Fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian's so, difficult. It, I'm the worst, guys. You know, no, it's just... <laughs> but it, it was good because it helped him really solidify who that character should be. Um, he was able to defend her every single time. And that meant it was, that's who she should be that, that it was worth it to put it in the story. Mm, yeah. So what he said, <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it, it was a thing because like, I, I like, I wanted something different. You know, I wanted Nefsana to be, to be, this is how I do things and I'm not going to change and how difficult and frustrating that can be. And when like there's money on the table and we're all hungry, why would you mm-hmm. not take it? And I like that. She was like, no, just not going to do it. You know, she stuck to her guns cause that's who she is. And it, it adds conflict. And yeah, I, I just, well, and it's an, I, it's an admirable I trait. I think, I think there are a it lot is. of characters in star Wars that go the easy route and they don't care if they do slimy things. And right. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's that's how the world works. And those characters in Star Wars are very cool and fun to watch. But I'm glad that you wanted to go a different direction because I think it reflects how we feel about the real world. And, sure. Um, but it's but just I also neat. wanted like, to like, show it. 
like at, yeah. at the end, I also wanted to show that like, you know, there's still the reality of the universe that you're in. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like she sticks to her code, but in the end, I mean, she's still using the scrambler to like crash pirates. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there is that kind of duality when you're like, okay, like she's not going to do, like she's not shooting them herself. I mean, Murph, you know, has his moment. He took care of some biz. You know, took care of a little biz. You know, Murph doesn't have that code. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it becomes a thing where by the end of the story, I wanted Nevsana to kind of open her mind a little bit um, mm-hmm. because the galaxy is gray. Like so much so that when she goes back to Sarath and is like over some crystal and she thinks they got taken advantage of for some treasure and stuff like that, that at the very end, she's like, oh, I understand now why you hid this from us. I I probably would have done the same thing. You know, it's like things aren't as black and white all the time mm-hmm. as Nefsana likes it to be. And like, you know, there's the tiny little bit of like where it alludes to Nefsana's backstory and the way that she is. You know what I mean? And a lot of it is definitely a moral code, but it's also fear. You know? And like, I, I tried to make Nevsana a nuanced, like, layered character. And she doesn't take those jobs for a reason because bad things happen to people when they do those things. So she's being cautious. You know? She doesn't mess with any of that because it's not, like, to her, there's better ways to make a living. Right? But also, like, I wanted to add, I wanted to add layers to her. I wanted her to be this badass captain, but also have this sort of tinge of vulnerability and have like this fear and this you know something happened to make her this way she didn't grow mm-hmm. up just being like oh well this is my code and that's how it is it's like well good luck eating you know yeah but it's yeah i i wanted i wanted a different character and i feel like we haven't seen someone quite like nevsana no in we Star haven't. Wars yet. i so, love her i love her so much same same she's the best she's pretty cool got an all right i want to be her <laughs> I mean, you know, you yeah. kind of are. <laughs> um, there are so many fun Easter eggs and little, lot. you know, behind the scenes stories about some of the things that we included in the audio drama. And one of the first conversations we had, as you mentioned about like the Rebels art piece, was that we wanted to involve other Star Wars podcasters that we really admire in the community people that have really great voices and bring a lot to um, the fan community. So Brian, talk about um, some of these people that we reached out to. And I think you can speak more to why we wanted to bring in so many other people. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, there's a million Star Wars podcasts out there, (laughs) you know, and we're all talking about the same thing. You know, everyone individually is different, but the shows are the same. You know, like we're all talking about Star Wars, this thing that we love. And fandom can get dumb. It just can. It can get, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people think it's a competition. People think you're competing with each other. People are trying to one up one another when really we're all in this together. And I think it's really important to remind people of that. Like we're all here. You know, there's no hierarchy here. And I wanted to show that by getting as many people involved as I could. Um, in the podcasting community to show that like we're all in this together. So, I mean, we, we reached out to, luckily we have a lot of friends um, in the community, which was nice. So we had uh, Ryan and Daniel from the force cast. We had Charlotte and Caitlin from sky talkers. We had Brendan from talking Bay 94 and we sprinkled them in. So it was like a fun little thing. Like I just kept thinking about that rebels piece, 
You know, it's like this, this audio drama came out as good as it did because of the amount of talented, amazing people that helped bring it to life. You know what I mean? If you take anyone away from this, it's less what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, so I, I just thought that was really important. And like Star Wars is about found family. You know what I mean? Like, come play. Let's do this together. You know, this isn't a competition. This isn't us being like, oh, we're making an audio drama because we're the best. It's like, no, no, no. All of us come together to make this thing and it's better for having everyone together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, that was really important from the beginning. Yeah, and it was nice so that so many people said yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. My God, I called in every favor ever to make this thing happen. <laughs> uh, there's so many Easter eggs, though, and I want to talk about Tons. like each of our favorite Easter eggs. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start sure. because Please. I have several. Um, okay, let's do it. I love that the planets o- Ozog and Kermai are yeah. references to Gonzo and Kermit from the Muppets. Like, I love that we yep. that you went yeah. for a Muppets reference in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you do? That's essential though. I love it. I was, um, I did it out of anger. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell I, the story about that. Well, I love the Muppets. Uh, but the reason I named them that was because I tried to make this fit within the star Wars that we all know. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like an alternate universe. I was like, if this was Canon, like, you know, it's Canon adjacent. It fits. Um, so I have a, the Star Wars Atlas, which actually Victor bought me. Um, hey, fun nerd. fact, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I have my Star Wars Atlas, and I pulled it out. Um, and so <laughs> I was looking at the star map, and I was like, okay, we can. I guess this planet would work, and this planet work. And then the problem I found was my own thing, where I was like, well, if I'm gonna pick something, I'm gonna do it right. So originally it was gonna be Mercana, but then I was like, ah, oh, the the vegetation doesn't work within the story. And then there's also more than one colony. That's not going to work. So I would look for things that also had to be in the outer rim. So it was like, I limited myself to those planets and then I did this and I looked forever. I was on Wikipedia. I was on all these things, like trying to find a planet that hadn't yet been explored. And a lot of the planets were explored in the clone wars. So like where before I would have this planet, we're like, Oh, that'll work. Oh, they did an episode on clone wars. Oh, that doesn't work with the story. Damn it. Okay. Uh, so it was like one of the last days that I was writing. I was like, you know what? Kermit and Gonzo, that's what we are. Kermai and Ozog. <laughs> this, this is what they're called. I'm tired of trying to fit this. <laughs> it's so and cool. And so out of, out of anger, I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Victor, so. were there any Easter eggs that you noticed that you really liked? I don't know. Uh, I don't know about Easter eggs. Uh, to me, they feel like Easter eggs. Um and that's just listening to it. All the background voices. Um, I, I was yeah. there when they were all being recorded. Uh, <laughs> so I can like, I can pick those out so easily. So even though the main characters are having an important conversation in the background, that guy making a weird mooing noise, that's, that's what I hear. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> oh man. What was that like? Yeah. How long did it take for you guys to record all the, the background stuff? Five hours. It was a long day. Oh my God. Yeah, it was it was an entire day and it was me, Victor, Jared Benner, and Christian Piles. And we literally just took turns. I'd be like, All right, we're at Shell's farm. Victor get in there for a minute. He would do a bunch of animal noise for a minute, and then Christian and then Jared and then me. And then all right, next scene we're in Pie Show's shop. Let's do it. And just we rotated the whole day. We did thirty six individual tracks by the Oh end. my god. 
Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Poor Christina. She had to listen to all of that. Yeah. And like, I'm so she, sorry, she, Christina. You, she's listened to some weird stuff. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, Christina's been through it. People have no idea. <laughs> and like Walla there... stuff. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird yeah. stuff, like all the weird noises and yeah, it's stuff. Like, yeah, I think he's over there. Hey, he'll be a hog. go over here. He'll do a thing over there. I don't know. It's kind of important. Yep. Like the peanuts adult sounds. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Oh my god. Like we, she's heard some weird stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she's been scarred forever. She has. At night, she still hears a, <laughs> and we're like, uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I- I honestly have heard weirder. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Christina, do you have a favorite Easter egg or just like behind the scenes kind of moment that you remember? Oh my goodness. Uh... Hmm. She's like, I love when it was done. <laughs> and then I put it straight in the trash <laughs> yeah. to free up space on my computer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, oh my goodness, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> There's so. Well, you're much. a Star Wars fan too, and I, I think one of the coolest things about um, this audio drama is that it's like Star Wars adjacent, and Brian mm. put in a lot of references to other things in Star Wars that we all love and that we all know, like. Uh, the buffer pigs, the Miluran yep. fruit, the different species, like, you know, Navsan is a Nautilin. And I love those types of things and how they're sprinkled in. Um, and you you kind of understand what it is. And it's like, oh, that's a nice note, you know, to like Rebels fans who know what Miluran fruit is or they know what a puffer pig is. I think those mm-hmm. things are really fun. I liked it. There's a ton of Firefly references in this thing. Tons. Tell us about them. Well, I love Firefly. It's my favorite show of all time. <laughs> Um, like the puffer pigs actually started out as a nod to there's an episode of Firefly that ends with them uh, in the cargo hold of Serenity and they just look down and there's just a ton of cattle and I was like that'd be fun have them like transport cattle I was like transport puffer pigs and so there's that one Um, pie show is based off of Kaylee I pretty much was like what if Kaylee was a Max Rebo let's do it (laughs) Um, lots 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 of that um Obviously, the Zolan Dart is a nod to Knights of the Old Republic. Um, there's a there's a lot. I Tell them really about how through. you came up with that name, though. Oh yeah, that's you're right. We haven't talked about this yet. Okay, Mm-mm. so the Zolan Dart. Uh, for listeners of this show, you guys know how much Savannah loves Zam Wessel. Well, Zam Wessel is from the planet Zolan, and she got killed by a dart. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, how do we get like a Zam Wessel reference in here? Like, yeah. Zam, no, it's Claudite. No, no, no. Changeling. No, no, no. Zolan. Oh, that's kind of cool. All right. Mm-hmm. So the Zolan what? So, <laughs> dart. <laughs> that's it works it so well, me. though. I think so. I th- and nobody's picked up on it. Nobody's reached out to me and been like, hey, Zolan Dart. It's like, yeah. I'm like, no, no. There you go. Yeah, Zolan Dart is a, a Zam Wessel reference. Yeah. So that, Nobody that else has pretty- also picked up on the other um reference that i asked that, you to add that nobody nobody's picked up on that nobody's picked up on actually this is the round table do you want to say it do you want to say what it is or no you can you can tell it okay so there's a there's a few others as well um uh in the bar when Reldar shows up and he's asking what kind of action is going on in there 
She says that um, Keenid is a Wookiee that does arm wrestling, but I wouldn't recommend it. Charmal takes bets in the back. Uh, Keenid is a reference to Kathleen Kennedy. I just took the Y off Keenid. Uh, and then Charmal is uh, Frank Marshall, but switched Marshall backwards. Was it Marshall or Charmal? Uh, so there's those. Mm-hmm. Um, there is at the very end when they go to Pana Prime for anyone that's a uh, holiday special uh, aficionado as we are. Uh, Pana Prime is the planet that the uh, Boba Fett cartoon takes place with the giant pink dragon and stuff. That's on Pana Prime. Um, so that was one. Um, oh, 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 not what I was thinking, but also everyone knows how much I hate Agent Kolar. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to kill him in my audio drama. So that was cool. <laughs> the first, the introduction to Captain Donala was uh, him killing a pirate named Agent. And I was like, take that, Agent. Hate that guy. You finally got so, your revenge. I finally got my revenge for the worst character in Star Wars. Um, so there was that. Um, it's gone. What about all the name mashups that you came up with? Now, oh, I remember. Okay, got it. Whoo! Wow. This is a ride, guys, and you're all along for it. Uh, so <laughs> why are you guys friends with me? So another thing that's really important to me is representation and, inclus- and inclusivity and the cast and, and everything and in the characters. And so one of the things I'm most proud of in this audio drama is on the way from the barkeep to Capron. Reldar walks by several conversations happening and they are in different languages and they're like our languages. So there's one in French, there's one in Spanish and there's one in Mandarin. And I was so excited about this because anyone who speaks those languages, that's for you. You know, you, you have these languages that you speak and maybe they're your native language. Well, now it's represented in Star Wars. And I just thought that would be really neat because to everyone else, we don't know what they're saying. So to us, it's like another, it's an alien language, right? We wouldn't know the difference. But to people who speak them, you're like, oh, oh, I understood that. It was a nice little thing for that. So we had the French one is uh, Christian Piles, who did uh, a lot of the walla and the background noises. The Spanish is my sister-in-law, Bernice, and Jonah Marie Macias. And then the Mandarin is Wendy Lee Zaney, who is awesome. So I was really I proud of that. that. I love that part so much. And I was like, tell me what they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, do, you, do you want me to tell you? I mean, it's fun to share. I think people would be interested. All right, cool. Yeah. So the French one, it's two guys. And as Reldar walks by, one of them is like, is that him? And the other one's like, it kind of looks like him. So anyone that speaks French is like, oh, snap. Someone's looking at Reldar. Um, the Spanish one is one person saying like, I can't believe you spent that much money. And the other one's like, it was a discounted thing. And you know how much I love Lothcats. And the other one's like, ah, oh, if you say so. And then the Mandarin one was uh, uh, two people talking. It's two women. And one of them says uh, along the lines of, and that was the last mistake he ever made. And then the other one's like, yeah, well, he won't be making any more of those. And it's like they just killed somebody. And they're like, yeah, he's going to mess <laughs> with us now. Um, which is, you know, if you speak those languages, it sets the tone for the cantina as well that like there's dangerous mm-hmm. people here mm-hmm. you know 
And I just thought it was a funny thing to have Raildar of all people walking by these like murderers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, is this seat taken? I'm like, Raildar, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, so there was that. The name mashups. Um, so we had, let me think, let me think, let me think. Navsana is Savannah. Reldar is Daryl. Um, Murph, Savannah just wanted to name him Murph, and she wouldn't budge. <laughs> I was like, do you want to put numbers in here? She's like, no, his name is Murphy. I was like, all right, that'll do. Um, Pi Show, I named after the game from Avatar The Last Airbender. I spelled it differently, but that's where that came from. Um, Sarith, Victor knows, uh, we played a and d campaign for a while and we actually hated Sarith, but yeah. I just thought it was a cool name. <laughs> I was like, Sarith works, I guess. Um, Shibasa was one I just made up. Shao, I just made up. Um, Caprin is a, a nod to our friend Jim, except his last name is pronounced Caprin. Uh, but you know, Trandoshans have an accent. Um, the barkeep doesn't have a name. She's just barkeep. Uh, the shady merchants didn't get names. The transmissions didn't get names. Donalo is a reference to Ryan Donahoe of the Force cast. Neil Burr is Daniel Barry, except it's the second half of Daniel and the first half of Barry. Neil Burr. Um, Lynn and Lot are two of the pirates. That is uh, Caitlin and Charlotte from Skytalkers. Um, Hayen is uh, our friend Dan Hayen. Um, Taro, I just made up. I just thought it sounded cool. Um, John Samar, at the very end, that captain, that is uh, Jonah Marie Macias. I just did John from Jonah and uh, Samar for Macias, and I just switched it and mixed it up. Um, Agent, obviously. And I think that's it. Am I forgetting yeah. someone? Melio? My God, I'm over. <laughs> and Victor's over there being calm. Like, oh yeah, that's everybody. Melio is a, a nod to our friend Jim Mello. Oh and yeah. Like, like, Let's just stick an eye in here, Melio. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. And then Victor came in and breathed life into him. Um, pack two. Totally forgot pack two. Um, I think I just made that up. <laughs> I don't think. I I don't think I got that from anywhere. I have one more question for you. Okay. Shibasa and Sarath. Yes. How did you come up with their species? You know, that's a great question that I should have thought more on. Christina learned this the hard way. There's a lot of things I did not think about beforehand. Um, because she would ask me questions like, what are they walking on? I was like, I honestly, God, have not even considered thinking about this. And I was like, oh, right. This is going to be some work. Um, I liked the idea of a, a community that was uh like hippies you know they're very nature-based they don't have technology outside of the off-world transmitter which they need to just communicate with other planets and like you know be there um so i liked i liked having that i kind of based their looks off of furbolgs in uh in D D, and they just i don't know they just sounded cool and like what's really cool uh, a testament to robin so robin guyver played sarah and he's a, a creature performer who's worked on a lot of the new Star Wars movies as well as Fantastic Beasts and a ton of stuff. He's incredible. Um, we did a few different versions of Sarath before we landed on the one that we did. And he ended up with the kind of non-regional accent that he that he chose. And he based that off of Sala from Indiana Jones. 
He's like, I want to do this kind of accent. I was like, oh, it works so perfectly. Um, but also, there are moments in Sarah's dialogue where he kind of speaks like his native language. He's like, we believe in the uh, Garatu, uh, old ways. That was 100% improv by Robin. So, like, that wasn't in the script. And he's like, I want to try something. I was like, all right, cool. So when we were recording, he just, like, threw those things in. And I was like, oh, genius. So it was really cool uh, to work with him. You know, to have someone that, like, that, I mean, that's another thing that, like, I cannot get over. We have four, four creature performers that are at Pinewood that have played multiple creatures in all the movies in this audio drama. And it was so cool to have them involved at all the fact that they were willing to come in but they all did so good and like agent sorry d uh is details who was quay tolsite in solo he was slow and low in episode eight um you know tom and derek they've been a ton of stuff they were two halves of the lugga beast tom was panda baba in rogue one derek was pow um they've uh, tom was aftab akbar in episode nine um Robin was the head of the Thala Siren. He was the head of the Hapabor. Um, I mean, and they're in our audio drama, which is wild. But they're all like classically trained actors. So they brought so much like gravitas and weight and depth to these characters. Like we we got so lucky. And it was just really cool to kind of, you know, watch a pro do their thing. And like, I, I mean, even Tom, you know, playing pack two, little things that he was like, oh, welcome on pack two. Ah, so you're the one. Let's get over here. Like, Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Absolutely loved it. I love them too. I'm glad that they were involved and and they went through the whole audition process and everything. They did. That, I mean, that's another thing. Yeah. Every single person in this audio drama, myself included, auditioned. Yeah. Because we, we talked about that early on. Like those thi- We're not going to skip on anything, but the cast is where we're really hardlining. Everyone has to audition. Everyone has to earn their keep. We are not going to just give parts away. It, this is what it is. And uh, yeah, Star Wars actors auditioned for us and then had callbacks and then got the part and still worked on it. Like, they're just incredible people. And we are so lucky that they wanted to work on our thing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, I have three rapid fire questions to ask each of you. Um, cool. to close out our round table. And right. just just so everybody's not talking over each other, I think we'll have Victor answer first and then Christina and then Brian. Are you guys Got ready? It. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. All right. Favorite character? Capron. Melio. Pie show. Ooh. I think I'm yeah. going to say Murphy. My answer will change every time I answer this. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite sound effect? Uh, hyper drive or hyper. Mm. Yeah. Uh, doors opening and closing. <laughs> the scrambler. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Mine would be um, jumping to hyperspace as well. And the last one, favorite line. Ooh. Uh, okay, so there's a part right after they get shot at and they get back on the ship um, and Reldar is trying to defend himself saying that, uh, if anything, he protected the crew by giving them information beforehand. Uh, and Murph just looks at him and is like, I find that unlikely. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good moment. 
Uh, I don't have a favorite line, but I, I like the anytime Reldar was talking to Capron. Mm. Yeah. Oh, this is tough. It, it's, this is not a rapid fire. Um, uh, uh, there's a lot. Um, oh, man. I, you know what? I like how Xiao says Pai Shou. Mm. I like when he's like, there's an Ortolan named Pai Shou. You find a small spaceport. Like, I, I like, I like that read a lot. Mm. Mine would yeah. be Reldar. You disgust me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always thinking with your stomach, Reldar. You disgust me. Logan's reads were so good. He's yeah. Just I love the, it. the little Yeah, just that's unlikely. <laughs> Take the wind right out of Reldar's sails. He's so good at it. Yeah, sarcasm king, honestly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He's got so much sass. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's all I have for you guys. We did it. Hey. Your your chains can come off now. Yeah, good job, guys. You earned it. <laughs> <laughs> before before we wrap up, though, I just want to say thank you to all of you for being a part of this and for working so hard and making this like a dream come true. I mean, I was literally bawling my eyes out when I finished listening to it she for was. the first time because I just love it so much. Um, and I also want to say thank you to anyone who has listened to it and yes. told us what they think and and sent us their feedback and just shared it with their friends. Like we thank you so 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 much. For real, it's it was a lot of work from a lot of people, and it's it's really cool. Like like we make it because we wanted to, but we also like it. It means so much when people enjoy the thing you did. It like makes all those crazy, you know, last minute. Uh, pulling your hair out stuff uh, kind of worth it mm-hmm. yeah for sure we also want to say thank you to our patrons and i'm going to name those people yes brew jim jason Britt, wayne Catherine, stacy josh gregor christy brian dan jared katie samir shuri jim ben daz debo jen marie chris brian and anthony thank you all so much you guys really made this dream come true for us and we cannot be more grateful for you 100 percent, and we hope you liked it you know yeah it's it's a it's our little thing we did a thing we actually did it guys (laughs) i feel like this is one of those things where when it's done it's like that post explosion where all of our hair is like standing up and our faces are all black (laughs) and we're in the trenches and we're like guys we we did it yeah it worked (laughs) yeah it feels very cool and and now people are demanding a sequel Oh my God! Yeah, guys, we'll get there when we get there, people. <laughs> yeah, keep, I'll make you a deal. You guys keep telling us you want it. And we'll think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that said, thank you, Victor and Christina, for joining us today. I'm very happy that we could have you guys on and have you here to talk about everything that you worked on. So, thank you. Same. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing me on to this project and getting to know all of you. That's that's the best Aww. part. Working with oh. all of you and even though we're all kind of in different states too, it's very yeah. Uh, yeah. This kind of brought yeah. us all together. It was a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We love you guys. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, may the force be with you. And Godspeed, Rebels. <laughs>